This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up? What's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with Sean Anderson. Dub the Mies. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, Ricky, this is the onside kick on Most Valuable Podcast. Why is Sean here? Where is Mark Weber? We fired him. No. Dub the we, we couldn't. We couldn't fire Mark. You Mark could dub had the, to work. We fired him. There's a E and we, and there's a E and fired. So we dubbed them E's. We dubbed them E's out of here. He's yeah. gone. Well, apparently, Bye, Mark. Apparently, Mark's not as good as. Uh, the mark with two B's, as Riley said in his roast video. But Sean's here for the onside kick because Mark had to work the day job. Well, now becoming the night job. You get it. But we're going to be talking some football topics. we got four lined up for you. We're going to be talking Rams, firing Jeff Fisher. Going to be looking at Dak Prescott and Tony Romo. Who should be starting there? Why should are you there looking be a at change? Like then we have the Lions and then... The NFL draft and the Browns apparently have an astronomical grade on Miles Garrett coming out of Texas A&M. But we're going to start in Los Angeles, a very sunny city. I wish it was sunny here in Chicago. It's not. It's very cold. But Freezing. the Rams went ahead yesterday, Sean, and they fired Jeff Fisher. He gone. We're going to be looking for a new coach. I'll, I'll plain and simple. Where do the Rams go post Jeff Fisher? Well, the Rams first off need to find an identity because right now they have a decent defense. There's a lot of pieces there that I do mm-hmm. like that the the Rams have, but really so far, I mean, Los Angeles football has not been coming around. Los Angeles football has not really taken the hold yet, and I know it's only one season, so I'm not saying it's a it's a project that's dead in the water already. But I'm just saying so far, I mean, ratings are the best in Los Angeles. The, you know, stadiums not filling up. That has to go in with the team being mm-hmm. being you know bad. Uh, but but really, you know, Los Angeles is a slow starting team. But what they need to do is find an identity because you have a number one pick in Jared Goff, but obviously he hasn't been getting a lot of help. And I mean, he, you know, people are kind of down on him in general. But he is still a rookie and he's not getting a lot of help because he doesn't have any weapons. You need to find an identity because you have a good player in Todd Gurley, but you know he's getting upset with the way that this offense is being run because it's like a fifth grade you know grade school out there is what he said so what you need to do is develop an identity whether that's you're going to be a young team that's going to be very offensive heavy heavy with a very open uh open offense using golf and and Gurley, or you're going to be a defensive team like say the panthers or the seahawks and i think you need to first off find your identity once you find your identity and you know the team the the owner and, and ceo and Cronky, that fuck um, he he finds his identity of where he wants to take this team. Then you have to first off make sure that Les Snead is the right guy to be finding these players to fit your identity, and then you need to go with your coaches because we've seen that with the Rams here is they're trying to find their own identity in Los Angeles and that has not been working yet, and they were struggling to find that in St. Louis as well where they've been tr- they were struggling to find their identity. So mm-hmm. first off, you need to find an identity for the Rams. Well, the big thing that I'm taking away early on is, as we are a day after the firing is mm-hmm. today when Ram COO Kevin Durnoff talked about the firing. Big Kev. He mentioned that this isn't just like Jeff Fisher was not the only problem, that there are more problems within this organization. And I first heard that and I thought, okay, so that means Jeff Fisher's falling on the sword for the rest of you guys. Let's get the coach out of here to save the rest of our jobs. But it's exactly what you said. This Rams team 
needs to find an identity. And the worst thing that I think it can do is exactly what we're doing to it right now. When this job opened up, what was the first name that came out? Me and Brandon talked about it on the Primetime Podcast. Whose name was the first to come out? Well, right away it was Harbaugh. It was Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh was the first name that was thrown out because, and, and there was a, a report before he even got fired that, you know, Harbaugh would be interested or they're actively it was seeking. very likely. Very likely yeah. uh, that, that Harbaugh was interested in going to the Rams, which I, first off, don't want as just a, as a fan of college football and NFL football mm-hmm. where, you know, Harbaugh at Michigan feels right, at least right now. And, you know, the way that he left San Francisco, I feel that where he currently is in Michigan's the right place. But also with that is I just feel like he's been there for too short of a time where I feel like Harbaugh would at least honor his original contract and stay with his team then bolt right away after two years of, of of being at Michigan. I feel like since that is such a prestigious, you know, place to be in, I feel like it's gonna either take a prestigious job for Harbaugh to leave or his contract will have to be up. Well to me the perfect job and this is off topic a little bit, but the perfect job for him would be the Colts. Is if the Colts open up in a year or two after he's able to see that first freshman class through to see if they can win then being able to go back and work with Andrew Luck in Indy could be pretty enticing. But with the Rams, like I was saying, I think they need to avoid the home run kind of a coach post-Jeff Fisher. So that means I look at it like Jim Harbaugh, a John Gruden, a Sean Payton. These are guys where it's like, don't focus on the big fish. Try to find the guy who's right for your job, even if he is a smaller fish like a Jim Bob Cooter, like a Josh McDaniels, like a Kyle Shanahan, those kind of players. I think that this Rams team, though, because of L.A., is going to go, we need the big fish. And that's why we even heard reports that they wanted to they wanted to entice Pete Carroll away from the Seahawks to go to the Rams. It's like, are you kidding me? Pete Carroll's not going to leave Seattle to go to the Rams in the division and go to a worse team. The one thing you have to realize, though, is who is running the Los Angeles Rams, and that's Dan Kroenke, and Kroenke doesn't see this as a football team. He sees Mm -hmm. this as a business. That's the reason why he moved it from St. Louis. That's why he moved it from St. Louis to Los Angeles. That's why there was always reports that he wanted to move it. That's why he's building a huge stadium in Los Angeles to make it a business. It's not really about the on-field product. It's about making a business. But what he doesn't realize is that the on-field product needs to be good. I think that, you know, Stan Kroenke doesn't want to be putting out shit there, but what's making, you know, what what he is focusing more on is, mm-hmm. is he making money? Because he is a guy that owns multiple franchises in multiple different leagues, and as long as he's making money, then he's a good businessman. That's all that he is really focused on. I mean, as long as Stan Kroenke can bring money to the Kroenke Sports Enterprises, then you're able to, you know, continue that going. I mean, he he's a businessman. He's trying to increase his wealth, and as long as they're making money, it's, that's all that matters to him. So... I think with the one thing that he needs to realize is to make your business even more successful is that you need to find the right the right splash because you even look at the Colorado Avalanche team that he owns as well. You know when they were rebuilding, they got first rounder Nate McKinnon, and then they went out and got a coach in Patrick Waugh, who is a former goalie uh, of the Avalanche, and they they made a splash and mm-hmm. you know there was a quick spark with the the Avalanche right away where you know they had youthful energy and and Waugh looked like a, a, a great coach. 
and then they they fell back because this year they're not doing so hot. Well, th- but he he left a, a while ago. I mean, he like this was two years ago when he okay. was, was hired. See, so, but really, what what they do is they try to get a home run. They try to get a big name to entice fans to come back in, spend money, and then they'll just redo it and they'll re, they'll you know try to regroup and, and refocus. So what Kroenke needs to realize is he needs to find an identity for this team. I think the one identity you need to go f- towards is. The defense, where you have a great defensive tackle in Aaron Donald, you have guys stepping up who, you know, in Mark Barron, who was kind of an outcast mm-hmm. and hit at the Bucks, and now has kind of f- found his position at this hybrid linebacker safety position. And also, you need to realize what you're going to do with your front office, because Les Snead, he's been with the team since 2012, and you look at his draft history, it hasn't been awful to be frank. I mean, like, if you look at his first-round draft picks, Todd Gurley was a hit in his first season. And then, you know, you have Aaron Donald in the first round in 2014, 2013, though, and, and this is where it kind of gets iffy, is they haven't been able to find guys deep, where in 2013, you draft Tavon Austin, number eight, you draft Ogletree, 30th, where that was a good pick. Ogletree's been a fantastic linebacker, but then you look at 2014, they get Greg Robinson, and Greg Robinson is now benched. He's a healthy scratch. I mean, Greg Robinson has been a terrible tackle, and he was really picked off of athleticism, but then you get Aaron Donald, so he's been able to make up for that. So the one thing that Les Snead hasn't been able to do is one bring in free agents at all i mean you name the last time the 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 los angeles Rams had a big free agent signing and then also this draft they get good players early in the first round but they're they're Mm -hmm. able to get consistent picks deep and and grow these players well and the free agent thing i think being in la the more they're in la that's going to sort itself out because but it's also like you have to win that's number one of course players want to play for teams that they think they can win with. But I think in time, people will say, well, I, w- I would rather play in L.A. more than when it was, I don't want to play in St. Louis. But one thing, though, is it's w- with the NFL in L.A., this isn't like the NBA in L.A. This isn't mm-hmm. like the MLB in L.A. Well, this is a different— got to take over the town. They have to take over the town, but they—I they, mean, L.A. is not a football market. I mean, I think we've seen that previously. I mean, you've, you've looked at this, this L.A. market, and there's not— that much to live off of. There's not that much, uh, at least football-wise. I mean, USC has even fallen back since there hasn't been that great of a but product since Matt Liner and Reggie Bush left. Like this year, even they did better than the Rams on the field-wise. But even like they're on, like when that Notre Dame USC game was pretty much dead empty. I mean, like mm-hmm. you know, teams struggle in LA football-wise, and unless you bring and find your identity, it's going to be hard to bring fans in. It's going to be hard to fill up that new stadium. Well, so I think you need to find your identity. And I think that's going to first off either depend on if you're going to keep less need or not, and then it's going to go into coaching. And I think we should probably transition to coaching, Well, right? that's what I was doing. And yeah. to me, with this team, if I'm going out and I am targeting a coach, I'm taking every single defensive coordinator and throwing them out the window. I am not looking at a defensive coach. The reason being is if I'm looking at both sides of the football, the defense is the most strongest side. And I would feel more confident in bringing in an offensive-minded head coach who could rebuild this offense to what he wants and then just bring in a guy defensively that he trusts to run the defense. And the two offensive coordinators, I know people are going to throw out Josh McDaniels. I know that Kyle Shanahan's name. I got two guys that I think that these are kind of like below-the-radar kind of guys, but I think they could fit with this team. The first one is Daryl Bevel, the offensive coordinator with the Seahawks. Why not get a guy who knows the division, who has been on a team that's successful? The only difference is... He's not that good of an offensive coordinator. 
the only difference is is Russell Wilson is working with Russell Wilson in that offense going to be similar to working with what the Rams have? No, and but, that's the only reason why I think he'd be like it's one of those ones where it's unless like a McDaniel says no, a Kyle Shanahan says no. I don't think he'd be the guy. The one that I think could be one that we look at is Harold Goodwin, the offensive coordinator from the Cardinals, because you have a strong-arm quarterback, well, smarter than Goff, but a quarterback in Palmer that he worked with. You have Todd Gurley to work with. He had David Johnson with the Cardinals. The only thing he needs to get for the Rams is some wide receivers like Larry Fitzgerald. See, with one thing, though, with with Bevel, I mean, you've seen previously that you know guys like I mean obviously you can go directly to the Super Bowl loss where he calls on third and goal he calls a pass to uh, he calls a, a slant route on the, that, on him the or Pete Carroll, yard, that was Bevel okay. that, on the two yard line and that's why Marshawn Lynch blows up and says well, mm-hmm. what is Bevel doing I mean you, you see that I mean I look at Daryl Bevel and I kind of look at you know their their offense is lackluster and you know I mean they, they thrive so much off of you know, strong runners and, and and Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson. I don't think he's really subs, you know thriving because of Bevel. I think he's just thriving because he's a good quarterback. And you also have a coach like Pete Carroll who is so offensive minded. I think that's why when you know people were looking at head coaching jobs, at least when the Falcons were, they weren't looking at Bevel. They were looking at uh, uh, they were looking at Quinn, uh, the coach Dan of the, Quinn. Dan, Dan Quinn mm-hmm. of the Falcons. Sorry, uh, Dan Quinn of the Falcons because he really built that defense. He was brought in to help that defense grow. And I look at a guy like Bevel, and I think that's I, I I think that's too much of a stretch because I mean he he there's constant you know there's constant stuff coming out where it's you know he's not that good of a offensive coordinator. You see that there's some shaky play calls, and then also I mean there's you know players of him kind of calling him out mm-hmm. multiple times. And then the guy. Uh, the the other guy that you brought up Goodwin. I mean, with Goodwin, I mean Bruce Arians is a very heavy offensive minded coach. So when you look at those guys, I think of I understand you're saying keep it in the division, but I don't think those guys are living off of their success. I think they're living off of being behind great head coaches in Bruce Arians and Pete Carroll. And obviously, you want to say, well, you have to give these guys chances, mm-hmm. but I still look at that and say I'm not entirely sure about those guys. The guys and and when you say you know you have a strong defense, you have to go away from defense. I think that that's where the identity kind of comes in, where if you do want to keep, you know, the the idea of we want a strong defense and then we have two guys on offense and we need to draft guys around them and mm-hmm. being in uh, Goff and, and Gurley, if you, got, you want to bring in a defensive-minded head coach, guys that you brought up was the defensive coordinator for the Panthers uh, in Sean McDonough. Young guy. He's an interesting one, though. And again, he he might be, you know, Ron Rivera, defense, former defensive well, coordinator for the Bears. He kind of might be living off of Rivera's success well, as well. I'm not saying he's living off of his success. I The thing why I say McDermott's a interesting McDermott, I'm one. Sorry, I said Sean McDonough, yeah, the play-by-play notes why, for ESPN. Why McDermott is an interesting one is because, to me, I feel like the head coaching vacancy that probably won't open up, but that would be perfect for him, would be the Bears. I just think he would, like, if John Fox did get fired, I think he would be the one, Ron Rivera defense going back there. With the Rams, could it work? Yes. It's just a thing of, do I want to go with a defensive coach? And then it's like, great, our offense is already so terrible, and our head coach is a defensive guy. I think, for me at least, coaching-wise, I think four guys stick out for me. Mm-hmm. And, and those names are two guys that you've said previously. But Shanahan you want to and McDaniels. Shanahan and McDaniels. I think with McDaniels, though, it's a guy that you have to make sure that 
offense is your identity, and you need to go towards that because with McDaniels, he was coming into a Broncos team that did not that have that many high expectations. He started off quick, and people said, oh, he's great. He's fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's going to lead them to Super Bowl. You know, Josh McDaniels was the heir apparent to Bill Belichick, and you know this got blown out of the water where they were just having really good success early, and then McDaniels' flaws as a head coach kind of came up. But still, he went back to New England, has been progressing fantastically as an offensive coordinator, and it might be in that Lane Kiffin era where he was really thriving under guys like Pete Carroll and mm-hmm. Bill Belichick, and, and he had great players around him. And then we really don't know if he can translate that success to a I'm head coaching say job. This. If you bring in McDaniels and make him the head coach, you must fire Les Snead. That's what you need to do. Because with McDaniels, you need to build an organization that is actually going to support him. If he's got to do it all on his own, it's just going to be Denver 2.0. That's what it's going to be with him. But what were the other two besides Shanahan and McDaniels that you had? Yeah, I don't disagree with that either. I mean, McDaniels can't be out on Mm -hmm. an island. He needs to be able to, you know, worry about coaching. And he can't be worrying about personnel, player personnel that's going to fit his offense He's got to take what he's given and then just be a coach because with when you look at New England, yeah, I, I believe that he's at least you know counseled by Bill Belichick, but Bill Belichick's going to do what he wants and Bill Belichick's going to do what he thinks is best for the team. So I don't think McDaniel's have that has much, that much of say in personnel. Mm-hmm. So you have to let the front office and the head coaching segments be be different here. And I think that the Shanahan Kyle Shanahan is an, another interesting option because you know this Falcons defense has been or this Falcons offense, I'm sorry, has been fantastic under Shanahan, and I think that he's interesting just because of, obviously, the pedigree that he has uh, with his father, obviously being a great head coach in the, in the NFL, uh, in Mike Shanahan. So I think Kyle is a, an interesting one because he is young. He has the offensive mind that you do want. Um, the one thing that I do question is how well can he help a quarterback grow because he was given mm-hmm. Matt Ryan. He was given a great quarterback already. Matt Ryan was already a veteran when he took over in 2015. So how is he going to be able to do you know, developing a quarterback. I mean, and that, look that's at one thing that I want to say. With the Redskins, he had RG3. But RG3 that, got look injured. At all that but that's not, I mean, that's not Kyle Shanahan's fault. That's more of RG3 mm-hmm. got injured. And then you look at, you know, when he was in uh, Houston, he didn't have uh, a young, he didn't have a young, uh, I'm sorry, he didn't have a young quarterback there. Mm-hmm. So he's really never worked with young quarterbacks. I mean, in Houston, he worked with David Carr, but David Carr didn't turn out to that much, but that was because David Carr is just talent, and then he worked with Matt Schaub. So I look at that, and I, I kind of say, how is he going to work with a young quarterback? So that's why Josh McDaniels and Kyle Shanahan kind of worry me a bit, because they haven't worked with young mm-hmm. quarterbacks. I mean, Kyle Shanahan has worked with Tom Brady, so it's tough to say he's a good you know, molder of young minds. One guy, two guys that we haven't mentioned, though, that I want to bring up, Vic Fangio. Uh, the current de- defensive coordinator for the Bears, who will probably be out of a job, might be. We don't we don't know with the, the weird situation there because you know there's been rumors that he might be out, uh, that him and John Fox don't get along. But he's been doing a fantastic job helping this Bears defense grow to uh, you know a top 15 defense in the league, mm-hmm. uh, at least statistically. And and out there they've been they've been playing well lately. So I look I look at a guy like Vic Fangio who's worked under. Uh, Worked under Jim Harbaugh when he was in San Francisco. Knows the division a little bit. He knows at least knows the coaches and, and Arians and uh, Arians and uh, Pete Carroll. So I look at that and I think that you'll be able to understand the division. Vic Fangio is also a defensive minded coach where you know he can help this Rams defense grow. You're giving him an already great defense. So at least for the first year, you can continue to have this great defense. And then if you bring in an offensive minded coordinator mm-hmm. and you kind of do, did what the Bears did, where they go 
you know, heavy with John Fox as your, your head coach. So you bring in a guy like Fufan Gale, and then you bring in a offensive coordinator to take like Adam Gase to take over the offense solely. And I don't know exactly who that would be, but if you can bring in a guy who knows offense so well, and, and a guy like Josh McDaniels, a guy like Adam Gase, who can really mold an offense, that's going to be how Vic Fangio uh, thrives as a head coach. And another guy that I want to bring up, uh, and the final guy I'll bring up, is Todd Haley, uh, former head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. He went to the playoffs with the Chiefs in 2010, and he is the current offensive coordinator with the Steelers. He's been working with Big Ben, so he really hasn't been able to develop a young quarterback. He had Matt Castle back in Kansas City, who was kind of young, but, I mean, Matt Castle was working with, mm-hmm. with, with Belichick for most of the time, and that was mainly because Scott Pioli used to work for the, the Patriots in their front office, and he brought in Castle. So I, I look at a guy like Todd Haley, who had one season true where he, he was able to go through a season, and then the, uh, the third season he had, he got fired, and the first season was iffy just because he was able to, uh, he was stepping into a kind of an unknown. So... I think that Todd Haley could be interesting just because the Steelers' offense has been so dynamic, and that's a lot to say with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger, but I think that the guys that I'm throwing out, Vic Fangio, Todd Haley, Kyle Shanahan, and Josh McDaniels, I think that with this Rams team, you need someone with at least head coaching experience or has spent time in this division or has extensive time as a coordinator. The last thing I'm going to say to kind of round this up is... The Todd Haley one's interesting to me because it's one of those things where you look at it and it's like, okay, his tenure with the Chiefs didn't end too well. Yes, he's had success in Pittsburgh, like, but like you said, he's been working with Big Ben. And is Jared Goff really on the level of Big Ben? <laughs> to me, I what? think that that was a question that obviously it's no. I oh, yeah. It out there. It's yeah. just a funny question yeah, to think of. A, it's yeah. <laughs> one of those ones where it's like, obviously, Jared Goff, because obviously there's some analysts out there that believe that the Rams might have whiffed on the Jared Goff pick because he didn't start day one and you really knew what he was getting and that players know that he's not really that good. But to kind of put an end to this, the last thing I wanted to say is any of the big names, and when I say big names like Shaw at Stanford, Jim Harbaugh, Sean Payton, John Gruden, I don't think we're going to hear those names. I don't think we get a big name. When they hire a coach, I don't think we get a big name. I mean, there could be a chance that like a Rex Ryan gets fired and then they bring on a Rex Ryan, but right now, I think we don't get a big name. I think Jim Harbaugh stays at Michigan. I think Shaw stays at Stanford. There's are two college guys staying. John Gruden is interesting to me because I know there's a number. Um, Colin Coward said it's $8 million that he would come back and We don't know how coach. much Coward knows about that, though. I... Just throwing it out there. We don't no, know. No, exactly. I'm just saying, like, I think that John Gruden would be, if they were able to bring him in, mm. he would be a great hire for that team and would be able to turn them around. And if I, they hired John Gruden, I would be, if I was a Rams fan, I'd be super excited for it. I disagree. I just don't know if it's going to happen. And then, like, Sean Payton. It's one of those things where is he going to leave New Orleans? Is he going to stay in New Orleans? I don't think he leaves. Right now, I can't say that he leaves New Orleans. So any of the big-name guys, I don't think it's going to be any of them. We're going to get a coordinator that comes out, even if it's like a Josh McDaniels or a Jimmy Schwartz who were once head coaches. 
coordinators this year and then come back to the fraternity? I I, th- I think it's going to be interesting. I think we'll know more towards the end of the season. I think mm-hmm. Gruden would be a complete mistake because he's just been out of actual coaching so long. And and you say that you know he's kind of been a a coach from the booth, but that's different than actually being a coach. That's that's different from actually actually working. He's one of those guys though that he's good. He can. He's one of those guys where no matter how long he's been out, he can still coach guys. I th- I we'll, we'll we'll see, but I mean he's been out of he's been out of the league for eight years. I mean the last time he worked with a team was two thousand eight. You went nine and seven, and you look at that roster. He was working with Jeff Garcia, Brian Greasy, Luke McCown, and Josh Johnson as his quarterbacks. You just had a mind pop into my or a name pop into mm-hmm. my head, Tom Coughlin. Do they contact Tom Coughlin? I think Coughlin would be an interesting one. Um, I, I and obviously Coughlin had. I think there was some. Uh, I, I forget when uh, there was a, a, a team brought up that he would be interested because there was a, a this mm-hmm. year uh, he was rumored for some job and I, I knew he would, he talked to the Eagles after he was fired. But something with Coughlin, I, I think it'd be an in, inter, interesting one. But I mean, he does currently have a, C, uh, a job right now with the NFL. Uh, he's so I, I don't know. It, it'd be interesting, but. I don't think Coughlin would be the right move, and and he did pretty much bring a team uh, in the Jaguars, who were a brand new team, to the uh, to the AFC Championship game in a second year. But that wasn't a team full of rookies, and he did have Eli in his first year, and he was able to help Eli grow. So that might be an interesting name, but I, I think that it's not going to be mm-hmm. Tom Coughlin. I don't think it's going to be John Gruden, or if it is John Gruden, I think they're making a mistake just because he's been out of the game for so long. I mean, he was a great head coach, but. Eight years is a long way to be out of the, the the game. I think that you know Harbaugh is definitely not going to be there. I think David Shaw would be uh, the wrong choice here because I mean I haven't been super impressed with what he's done at Stanford. I just don't think he leaves Stanford. And he's been he's had a great running back in in, mm-hmm. in Christian McCaffrey. So I don't think he's really had that much success of his own. I want to see how he can do with his own players that he's mm-hmm. brought in. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see who emerges because right now I don't know who emerges. As the head coaching candidate, or as the the top head coaching candidate, uh, so it's going to be interesting. And then just final, like player wise, that they need to do, mm-hmm. they definitely need wide receiver help because they don't have a good wide receiver on that team. And you can defend Kenny Britt. Kenny Britt isn't a good wide receiver. Neither is Brian Quick. Tavon Austin is a bust. He, I mean, he's he's very quick, but I think he's best as a return man, and he's not that good at that. Uh, you obviously need O line help. I mean, your last big top pick was. Uh, Greg Robinson, you now have him as a him as a scratch. So I think this defense is is fine. Obviously, you can improve, always improve, but mm-hmm. I think it's interesting there. But I, I think that the Rams are in a very interesting situation, and if they fuck this up, it is going to be very bad for the Crockies. Funny that you say that. I first thought like, oh, there are some great wide receivers that you could get in the first round. Oh wait, you don't have your pick mm-hmm. because you gave it to the Titans. Alshon so. Jeffrey. Kind of, uh, they could go after Alshon Jeffrey, but does Alshon Jeffrey want to go to a team like the Rams? That he would like, be the He question. might like money, though, if they give him enough. Money does talk. That's what they say. But this is where you guys come in down below. Let us know. What do you guys think? Where do the Rams go post-Jeff Fisher? Do they fire less need? Do they clear house? What coaches would you look for, Ram fans? We want to hear from you. I say clear house, and you bring in a guy like Josh McDaniels. I want to see what he can do again. I... Not I'm not being sold on the Josh McDaniels like that's the oh, guy to go I. for. Neither am I. I'm but not sold I, on anyone. But I do agree with you. You got a clear house. We're gonna move on though into our next topic, and we're talking about we dumb boys again. We're talking about the Cowboys and America's uh, team. The reason why say. we're talking about the Cowboys is uh, 
There have been some tweets. There have been some Cowboy fans that uh, during the Sunday night game were, why is Dak still in? Tony Romo should be still in. My favorite one was the, oh, the Dak experiment is over. We need someone (laughs) with experience. And, like, I'm sitting there going, you guys are the same fucking people that when you guys were winning were – Deck's on top of the world. We're going to beat anybody. The deck experiment. Those might not be the same people, though. But it's one of those things where after you guys lose a game, you lose to a team twice, which, by the way, the Cowboys are now, they're not 11-2. and They're 11 and Giants because the Giants beat them both games. That was a bad joke. I'm just going to throw the question over at you, Sean. Should the Cowboys think about starting Tony Romo? Should they think about it? Yes. I think they should think about it. Should they? No way. And, and uh, I mean, I think you should think about it in the fact that you should think about the circumstances where he could start. Mm-hmm. And that's when the should they come in. So should you No. should you think about it? Of course, you should always have a backup plan. But really with that, they should not unless circumstance, certain circumstances do arise. Uh, those circumstances are obviously another rough performance in the next two games because you need to win the next two games because if the Giants win two and you lose two. You're not the you're not Giants now have the tiebreaker. They have yeah, they have the they have the division in their hands. So if you go one and two and the Giants go two and one, then you are now a wild card team. So I think if he has another rough performance where he's throwing two interceptions and not completing a high percentage of his passes, he's not able to throw the ball down the field except to a wide open Terrence Williams. I think that that is the real part of, of when you start to you know kind of push towards that direction. And obviously injury if Dak goes down, then that makes it way mm-hmm. easier. But I think that you cannot destroy a, the confidence that Dak has built up and, and that this, this team has at 11-2. and two. You lose twice to the Giants, who are a good defense, who kind of have the mold to beat the Cowboys, where they're able to rush for, they're able to drop seven back, they're also able to bring pressure, but still have good coverage. I mean, they have good coverage uh, cornerbacks there, and, and plus they're able to, at least short coverage, uh, short coverage corners, but with, with with this Giants team, they have the mold to beat the Cowboys, and I think mm-hmm. that you can't destroy Dak's confidence because this kid is playing fantastic for a rookie, and he's not taking that many shots. I mean, he's not even, you know, he he's has the most fourth most yards per attempt, but he also has the twenty first or twenty he's twenty second in attempts and completions, and also I think it's like eight yards per attempt, so. Most of those are slant routes. Most of those, he's not going deep consistently. Mm-hmm. He, he's throwing, you know, a lot of intermediate routes to like ten to fifteen yards. You don't see him a lot of, taking a lot of chances downfield. So that's why his interceptions uh, are, are so low. But still, this team is eleven and two, and your team might be better with Tony Romo. Well, but the, Dak's the future quarterback for the Cowboys. Want, and you can't destroy his confidence. I want to throw this out there, and this doesn't have to go record wise. This next game is going to be like for right now. The answer to the question, do you think about starting Tony Romo, I'm with you. The thought is in my head. But am I pulling the trigger on saying, yes, you need to start him? Not so fast. And the reason why I say that is this next game is the game where is if, if you lose this game coming up to the Bucks or Dak looks horrible, like I think he doesn't it. look as good as he did against the Giants, then I say, fuck it. Out the door, Romo starting it, the rest of the year. Even if you lose, but Dak looks good, there's no way you pull him. If you lose because if you lose because of Dak and Dak goes 17 of 37 well, and throws two interceptions and can't move the ball down the here, field, then you pull him. Here's the thing I want to bring up. And there have been games this year, like early on, we're like, oh well, the Bengals could be a tough game. 
The Bengals aren't a good team this year. We thought, oh, well, in Green Bay, that could be a tough game. The Green Bay Packers weren't a tough team at that time. If you look at every single team that he has played. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's the only one out of the teams I'm going to say where just look at the defenses that he's played. Baltimore. The, how many elite defenses has he played this year? Two. And he played one of them twice. Baltimore or Minnesota? Where are you talking about? I'm saying Minnesota's the Giants, an alliance defense. Yeah, the I'm, Giants I'm saying the Giants. Mi- I'm clearly. saying the Giants and Minnesota are the only Baltimore. two elite defenses. See, but the thing with Baltimore is their defense is good, but their defense is not elite to me. They are a top five defense in the league. But not elite. That is elite. Think, what is elite for are, you? I don't think the the Baltimore Ravens are an elite defense this year. Why? Because to me, you look at them and it's not like you look at the you look at the Giants, you look at the Vikings, they don't let their opponents score. The Baltimore Ravens are one of those teams where yes, the defense is better than the offense, but you're giving up 28 points to the Raiders. You're giving up 27. You lost to the Jets and you gave up 24 to the Jets. Baltimore is the fourth team in points given up this per game. Is, 18 points per game. That's this, before Dallas. This is my and point. And Denver. This is my point. And Kansas City. To me, the the two best defenses that Dak has played, Giants, Vikings, those are the only two teams that have held him to his lowest QBR. Anything under 60 have been those teams. The Giants at 60... 60.2 game one, and then 14.8 this past Sunday night, and the Vikings at 57.2 on Thursday night two weeks ago. Every other game, Dak has had his way with this team. The thing that I'm looking at coming into this game against the Buccaneers, who, who's playing really good for the Buccaneers right now? What unit is playing really good and is coming off of a hot game? Real quick, the Ravens are the second best defense that he faced. I don't know what you're talking get about. Off of I, that. I'm getting off of get it, off but of I'm it. just saying the Ravens are the second best defensive. I don't know what you're the, smoking. The point, but the, what the you're point saying is, is the Bucks. The Bucks defense has been fantastic. Yeah, of, of the late. Bucks defense is fantastic. Look at the last. Just look at the last two games. Giant fantastic defense. Vikings fantastic defense gave Dak problems. Held them to his two lowest QBRs that we have seen this season. We look at the Bucks. Yeah, they only scored 16. 16 points total against the Saint team, which that's going to be the Bucks' problem. Is can Jameis Winston get in the end zone and get this team some points? But this was a team that held Drew Brees to his lowest QBR this season of 28.7. And Drew Brees has also been on a bit of a slide. He also had the 30.6 QBR against the Lions. So his last two weeks have really been his lowest QBRs of the year. I think this could be a game where the Cowboys, I know they're playing at home and that's going to help. I know the Vikings and Giants these past two weeks have been on the road, so it'll be nice to come back home. I know that the offensive line for the Cowboys is different than the Saints, but this could be a game against the Buccaneers where Dak doesn't look good. And if he doesn't look good, then you start Tony Romo. See, That's what I'm saying. The thing with the reason why he's been struggling is because of pressure. The, the Vikings were able to get to him three times. The mm-hmm. Giants were able to get to him three times. He was constantly pressured in both of those games. And the, and the thing that the the Bucks do bring is is they are 12th, I believe, in, in the NFL in sacks. So 
what the Cowboys need to do is, is better protect uh, Dak Prescott. I, I think that looking at Dak, it's not really Dak's. See, I think people put too much pressure on Dak, saying if they lose, it's Dak's fault. If they lose, it's Dak's fault. I think that one thing that you people have to realize is that he's going to go up against tough defenses. He's going to have mm-hmm. to make plays, but he's been able to win games consistently for the Dallas Cowboys. And I, I think that you go out and, and look at his performances against Pittsburgh. He was able to lead the Cowboys down the field there. Baltimore, it, it says 10 points on, on the box score, but re- looking at that game, that fourth quarter was won by Dak. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at this these games, Washington too, Dak was able to keep Dallas afloat. Minnesota, he even drove the, the Cowboys down the field to give them the lead there. So I look at the team I look at I look at Dallas here and I and I think that I think there's too much pressure put on Dak and too much emphasis put on Dak. Now if he starts to struggle horrifically, and I'm saying, you know, he's not pressured and he starts throwing bad mistakes. He starts making bad decisions. His confidence is shaken. Mm-hmm. Then you pull him. But the way he's playing and the way he's played outside of this Giants games, and really the, the last Giants game, because the, the first one he wasn't even bad in. If you look at the second Giants game, people put too much pressure and focus on that. I think that you cannot shake his confidence because if you're sold on him being your future quarterback, you can't shake his confidence. Here's another thing I'm going to point out, and this goes more towards the why this upcoming week against the Bucks is such an important game. Let's play the what-if game. Let's say the Bucks do win. Oh, it's an important game. Let's just say the Bucks win. That means you'd fall to 11-2. and two. If Detroit, 11-3. and 11-3, pardon me. If the Dr- Detroit Lions win this week, if they win their game against the Giants, they're going on the road. That's a tough game that they're going to have to win. If they win that game, that means you guys are playing the next week for Week 16 at home in Dallas. And guess what? That would mean if Detroit beats you in that game and you drop a fourth straight game, guess who has the first place seed? Guess who would have the first place seed? The Detroit Lions. Because right now Detroit is two games behind Dallas. Dallas and Detroit and also four. play as well, though. D- that's what I'm saying. So if, if oh, you're if, saying if they lose twice, if they lose gotcha. to the Bucks, sorry, and then Detroit wins, there's only one game. Then that next game you're playing Detroit, you lose that game. That's why I'm thinking if you lose to the Bucks, Tony Romo's in because then I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going with experience. Lose no matter we've what. Drop three. Lose no matter what. Really. So if Dak Prescott goes down the field, has a QBR of 122 and throws for three touchdowns. Unless he has like a three-touchdown game and it's like a just a complete like offensive slugfest where it's like 42 to 38, which I don't see happening because Jameis Winston's not going to put 42 points up on the board. I just think that if the Cowboys are going to lose this game, that Buck defense is going to get to... Dak Prescott to where if he does have a good game where, like you're saying, he has a 120 QBR or a 100 QBR, they're going to win. They're going to win that game then. See, I th- I think that I don't think anyone's going to disagree that Tony Romo's a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. Right now, right now, Tony Romo's a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. No one's going to argue that. But one thing with Tony is he hasn't played at all this season. He's been injured. He's been hurt. And he hasn't been in the game speed since he got hurt in the preseason. Now, one thing with Tony, he's a he's a better quarterback. He's able to take more chances. But Dak has been winning games, and Dak has won more games since Tony Romo. I mean, you know, since Tony Romo in a long time. Tony Romo 
hasn't had the best record wise, and and this is a better team than Tony's ever had. I, I personally, but the last time he had eleven wins was two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the thing with teams like this is that oh, I'm sorry, they had twelve wins in twenty fourteen. But you know, if Dak wins another game, then he's gonna finally tie Tony's Tony's uh, Tony's high. But the the thing with this is is that people put too much pressure on Dak. They put too much focus on. These teams, I think, I think that with you can't shake his uh, his confidence as much because I think looking at Dak's performances so far, he when he goes up against tough defenses, he's going to struggle because he's a rookie. I mean, the fact that they are winning eleven games though, the way that they came into the season, I think it's a win for the Cowboys, and I think that just because you know people are saying Tony Romo should be starting, Tony Romo is going to lead them to the playoffs, Dak will be leading to the playoffs for the future of your team and you mm-hmm. need to keep that mind growing instead of saying oh you had a bad performance you're done because then if tony gets hurt against the lions and he has to come back in he's like oh well i wasn't I, good enough to be the quarterback then I and don't, i don't know if i can continue this and i don't know if i can win my, this the, for my team the one thing that i'm going to say about that is i don't think dak is that finicky in the confidence standpoint he's like still if, a rookie though if they lose against the bucks and the cowboys went hey we're going to start tony I think Dak would be the same kind of guy Tony was, where it's like, okay, I understand, and then he's just going to be ready. But to me, to answer this question, yes, you should think about start. I, I think we're both in agreement. If you you think to start now, but if you lose the Buck game, then you actually seriously start make almost what, making a move. What I'm saying is, you should always be thinking about it, but you shouldn't actually do it until Dak looks awful out there and i'm saying like uh, a horrific performance and and the if if he's really making your team progress like if he's like you know if if it's how like how would you describe how would you describe is, the performance on sunday say night? say it's you know it, it's a it's a close battle and and the way that's been close is because mm-hmm. you know cowboys have been getting turnovers but then Dak keeps turning the ball over Dak keeps throwing bad mistakes Dak, Dak isn't able to move the ball down the field that's what i'm saying is what if if he's hindering this offense last question i'll ask you because we do have to move on yeah is what if they have a sim- he has a similar performance that he had last sunday x the only difference is Jameis winston puts more points up one more game you give him the lions game you give him the lions game you give and him the lions if you game lose that one you're losing home field you're actually putting that home field on him if the Lions would have to also beat the Giants. See, but the the fact if you say, all right, you know, we, we gave you the job in week nine or week eight or week mm-hmm. ten, whatever they gave him the job uh, when Tony was cleared back. We gave you the job, and just because you've had two bad performances, just because you had two straight performances, then you're done. You're done. You 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 lost the first game against the Giants, even though it was Terrence Williams' fault. Um you lost the first game against the Giants, and the second one, you finally had a bad game. Like, he, well, it's he had, like I was focusing had, on the last he two. He had one bad game. I mean, the, the Minnesota game wasn't even bad. The he didn't min- have a bad the game Minnesota against The Minnesota game was him going up against a tough defense, and let's be honest, if the Vikings actually had an offense, they would have won that game. Okay, but— I know they didn't, but I'm just saying if the Vikings actually had an offense, that could have been a loss as well. The, the fact that the Giants are 11-2 is something— ridiculous i mean the fact that you have mm-hmm. a guy like zeke who is on pace for the fifth most carries in rookie history i just think that the cowboys need to relax and cowboys fans need to relax i understand that you want home field advantage i understand that you want that but it's still in grabs mm-hmm. grasp just because you lose two games the and giants cow- doesn't knock you out. and cowboy fans i'll make you feel happy before we end this no matter what happens in that lion uh 
Of course, you have to win, but no matter what happens in that giant Lions game, you are either going to lock up a first round bye. Because if the Giants win, if the Giants win, you're gonna the Lions have no way of catching you. Mm-hmm. So you'll have to win the division still, but you'll lock up basically the playoffs that you already have. But if the Giants lose, boom, you get the division. So basically, no matter what, you get something to get beneficial out of that. But this is where we want you guys to tell us down below what you guys think. Would you think of starting Romo, and would you actually start Romo, let's say, for that Lions game if they lose? Final thoughts, too. Cowboys haven't been... Cowboys have been equally as good on the road and home. I mean, it's not like there's a huge Mm drastic difference uh, whether this team's playing on the road or home. But we're going to move on, and we're actually going to talk about these Detroit Lions. And, uh, Sean... Are they a serious uh, playoff contender? Could this team seriously make some noise in the playoffs? Hmm. I want. I want to see what they can actually do against a playoff team. And and I'm I'm not trying because that to, was your big point before we hit the record button is that they haven't played a playoff team. And that's the thing. I mean, they have. They. I. The one thing with this this team is that the Lions are a good team. I'm not trying to put that down because I know Lions fans are very sensitive. They finally have a winning <laughs> team. Congratulations. <laughs> but they have not played. They've not beaten, I'm sorry, they haven't beaten a playoff team. They've played one playoff team. One playoff team, Ricky. They've played one te- playoff the team, Texans. that is the Texans. And they and, lost. And they lost. And they have not beaten a playoff team, they've played one playoff team. And and the one thing with this is, is that Matt Stafford's having an MVP-type season, and I will not deny that. And Matt, Matt Stafford has been playing out of his mind, and mm-hmm. if you look at him in the uh, on last drives of the game, and I, I went through, going through ESPN's play-by-play and, and, and drew this up, in the four losses... He has only given the game away once, and that was an interception to the Titans. Outside of that, it really hasn't been the fault since they they lost. That Packer game was pretty much a blowout until they they made it a game. Uh, the Bears game, it was I think it was a, a fumble on the uh, they tried to do an You're onside kick. The one at Soldier Field. Yeah, it was yeah. A, it was an onside kick uh, that they couldn't recover. Uh, the Texans game just wasn't that close. I mean, if you look at him though on the last drives. Uh, he's had one interception pretty much against the Titans. Then he was 30 of 38, 446 yards, two touchdowns, three rushes, 23 yards on those rushes, one rushing town, one rushing touchdown, sacked four times, zero interceptions. That's a QBR of 140.9. He's been utterly ridiculous in the last game, in in the last drives. He's won eight games, uh, or, or they've won eight games, or all of their wins, I'm sorry, have been by seven points or more. And all of their losses have been seven, by seven points or less, except for that Saints game that was twenty-eight thirteen. The one thing is, is just that they could be a one-team, a one-game win right now, a one-team win right now, if if it wasn't for Matt Stafford. So, I think that this Lions team, I will understand if they are a legit playoff contender when they go up against the Cowboys and Giants, and they don't even need to win those games per se to mm-hmm. you know kind of kind of mold that. As long as it's a competitive game, and as long as they look like they're in the game for most of it, as long as it's not a blowout, I will say that the, the Lions are legit contenders. I just want to see what they can do against other legit contenders. Well, and to me, I'm looking at it, no matter, they've got three games left, like you said, the Giants, the Cowboys, and then they play the Packers. I mean, the Packers, they're a team that I, it might come down to that last week, because yeah. if the Giants and Cowboys can get to the Lions, I agree with you in the sense that we got to see what they can do against a playoff team. But the one thing I do like about this team, and Dave actually brought this up in our text message group that we have with the MVP guys plus Lions guy, the friend of the mm-hmm. onside kick, the podcast. But 
the thing that he brought up is because we were all like, oh, well, they've been in close games. They've never closed out a game. The only time they didn't have to come back was that Saints game. And Dave said, well, it's a good thing for if you're not using it as an excuse of, hey, we can get down early. It's a good thing to have been in that situation so many times because when you get to the playoffs or you get to because these next two games, let's be honest, they're going to be like playoff games for the Lions and the Lions should go into them like their playoff games, but it's going to be one of those things. And I agree with Dave where it'll be like, Hey, Matt Stafford's going to go in there and go, guys, we've been here before. We've been in this situation where we got to come back fourth quarter. Let's just do it again. We've done it. How many times this year to where everyone's just going to relax and be like, yeah, you're right. How many times have we done it? That is a valuable thing to have when you go into the playoffs. Now, these next two games, the reason, well, next three, I'm even going to throw the Packer game in there. Well, Green Bay's got to win every game well, to be in the playoffs. Green Bay's got to win every game, but let's say this. I don't think the Packers are going to lose more than two. What, you think You think the Bears can't beat them? Mm, the Bears, <laughs> I, I almost want to pick the Bears, but I won't. It's not going to happen. And the thing is, I, I really like, I think that if the Lions lose these next two, it's going to be the division, in a nutshell, getting played for Week 17, just like it was last year between the Vikings and the Packers. The Lions, though, need to win these next two. They need to win maybe the next three. They need to beat the Packers, for sure. The, well, this Lions team needs, I'm going to say it, they need a first-round bye. If they can get a first-round bye... Then I may be even talking about them being an NFC championship contender. Not a Super Bowl contender, just being able to win a game to get to the NFC title game because they'd be playing at home. This is a team that needs to look at the Giants, look at the Cowboys, and go, this is our time to put that stamp on this season that no matter how we win, that we can hang with the playoff team. So that Sean can't say, because it is true, that, oh, we haven't played a playoff team. Well, I'm, I'm, it's just it's just a fact. It's just a fact. Yeah, I'm not saying it's bad well, or anything. Yeah, that's why I said it's no, just but, a fact. But I think people will say that as I'm trying to discredit the Lions. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, like, legitimately, they have not played a playoff team except for the Texans, and they lost. I'm, I, the one thing that I, I do want to put out there is that the one part that I, I am kind of weary about this Detroit team is, one, the defense. And I, I want to see what you can do against... Uh, against Ezekiel Elliott and, mm-hmm. and Aaron Rodgers when he's on top of his game, and obviously that first Packer game didn't go the Lions' way as well. And, and I want to I want to see what they can do there because this the Lions' defense isn't bad, but it's not you know a, a top ten defense. So it, it, they're not a bad defense at all, but it's not like you know this isn't a, a thing you can rely on. You know what actually is they've been good clutch though. You know what's funny about that? How you mentioned Zeke? I look at the teams that they have played. Probably the only two running backs that, like, the only teams that they've played that have legit running threats, the Bears this past week, because Jordan Howard was actually playing, Langford, mm-hmm. I believe, was the back for the first game, and then the Titans. Those were the only teams that have legitimate, like, running games, where the Eagles, it was kind of like they're just using a platoon of guys. Gurley hasn't been when he's been this season. Lamar Miller's good, but I wouldn't say that he's anything great anywhere near. Zeke, and then look at the Jaguars, the Vikings, and the Saints. They don't have run games this year. Well, the thing with the Lions is, is they they're they're the best part of their defense is their running running mm-hmm. defense. I think it's close to the top ten or just near the top ten. 
and you know they're giving up less than 100 yards rushing. I just want to see what they can do against a top running back because, like we said, they haven't gone up against a playoff team. That usually means you can't run the ball, except if you're the Patriots or the Lions in this case because they haven't had a 100-yard mm-hmm. rusher. So I just want to see what the, the two things that I'm worried about is is the defense. I'm not really worried about it. I just want to get more you know, kind of confirmation that they are a, that, that they can win them games or at least keep them in games. I'm not saying, you know, again, I think that Detroit just hasn't played up against top competition. Mm-hmm. So I think that if they can go out and, you know, keep uh, Zeke under 100 yards or close to 100 yards, a little over 100 yards, and they can pressure Dak, I think that that's going to be a good sign. And I could say that they can be legit contenders. Um, I just think that when you don't have a rushing game and you don't have Tom Brady, it's going to be difficult to play against a Dallas team that is already a great run defense, and then you're going to be relying on Matt Stafford, who has been absolutely fantastic this year, but we've seen Matt Stafford try to force passes, and then when you're making him pass in high volumes, that might be difficult for him to kind of make plays where he's going to try to force passes. And then when you look at the Giants, they put on a ton of pressure, and I think that with uh, a team like the Giants, who are, are are good in coverage as well, I think that Matt Stafford's going to have to struggle a little bit, and then that's your, that's when you're going to have to rely on a run game where I'm not sold on any of the running backs currently in Detroit. So I just want to know what this run game can do, and this run game doesn't have to take over a game, but as long as it can keep them in a game and keep them competitive, and as long as the defense can, again, keep them competitive, because we all know that Matt Stafford can win games, and no one's denying that, and no one's denying that Matt Stafford's a top-ten quarterback in this league. I just wonder what they can do against actual playoff teams, because they have not done that yet. So as long as they can go up against playoff teams and look competitive, then I will say they are competitors in the NFC. I'm going to say that we do need, like you said, we do need to see what they can do against the Giants and against the Cowboys. But right now I'm sitting here based on what I've seen in this team, and I'm saying this is a team that I'm looking at going, I could expect some uh, playoff upsets to happen with them, even if they are the two seed. Because let's be honest, if they're the two seed, nobody's looking at the Lions seriously because of what the Lions have been. That's why I'm still saying that... If they can do good things against the Giants and the Cowboys, then I can look at them and go, this is a team that could run the table. This is a team that could NFC championship for sure and then have a chance to even get to the Super Bowl. Just a chance. See, I, again, not to take away from the NFC, but and not to take away from the Lions. But it is a weaker conference, is that what you're going to say? a weaker conference. And if you're saying, who are the three teams that you think can win a Super Bowl, they're all from the AFC. It's Patriots, Chiefs, and Oakland. I think that mm-hmm. Oakland has such a dynamic offense where they can win games there. The Chiefs obviously have a stellar defense and, and a defense that speaks more volumes than statistics can show. And then the Patriots are the Patriots. I'm currently wearing a Tom Brady jersey. So, I mean, obviously I'm going to say the Patriots are a, a top team there. And then fourth would probably be the Cowboys. And mm-hmm. I, I think the Lions can definitely put their name into uh, into that 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 you know that slot there if they can beat the Cowboys, if they can beat the Giants. But again, I think that they are serious playoff contenders if they are competitive in these last three games. Well, and this is where you guys let us know down below what you guys think. And they also have to make think. the playoffs. If, yeah. they, if they go 0-3, mm-hmm. they might not be in the playoffs. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think about the Lions. Are they a serious playoff contender? What do you see them doing against the Giants and the Cowboys in their next two games? We're going to move on to our last topic, and this is the longest onside kick that I think that we have had in some time. It's a four-topiker. We went for a while on Dak and Dak and Tony. We went for a while on the Rams. I think the Lions were our shortest topic thus far, but the thing that we're going to look at now, we had to throw it in there, a 2017 NFL draft topic for you guys. 
before we get into it, I have to announce that by this time, if you're listening on YouTube, it's already up. Go check it out. But if you're on Blog Talk Radio on Thursday, I will be dropping my first mock draft oh. of the year. So I wanted to I say didn't that. I did that. Forgot, forgot to say it at the beginning of Big the podcast. News. So I'm saying for you guys, if you have not already and you're listening on YouTube right now, it's down below in the description. Inside Scoop, how many quarterbacks? Uh, right now I'm thinking two. Mm. I'm, t- I'm not done with it as we're recording this podcast. I only have two picks solidified, which are the top two. But the one we're talking about today, he is solidified. Apparently the Cleveland Browns have an astronomical grade. For Miles Garrett, is this the right pick if they make Miles Garrett? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. The only guy I would also consider is either Reed or Foster out of Alabama. But with with this, you don't go quarterback. I There is not a quarterback. You got Robert Griffin. There is not a quarterback in my mind that should be a first-round draft pick. And I think this is going to be very comparable to the 2013. You think there should be no quarterbacks in the first round? No quarterback. There will be. I'm not saying there won't be. No, but, but I'm saying. There's not a quarterback with first-round grade. There is not a quarterback with a first-round grade in my mind. I think Mitch Trubisky is a good quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback. I am high on Kaiser just because I love Notre Dame. But actually looking at Kaiser, he has very questionable decision-making. And really, I, I just when you look at him, he, he should be better. And I just feel like. He's going to need a lot of help. And then with Deshaun Watson, he shouldn't have regressed like he did, but he regressed. And, mm-hmm. and, and looking at it, the way he played, it seemed like there was just kind of a lack of confidence. And then when I I feel like this this draft class is going to be very similar to kind of the 2013 draft class where you have quarterbacks like E.J. Manuel go in the first round. You have Geno Smith go in the second round. There is not a pro bowler or a current starter uh, except for Matt Barkley in this draft class. And Matt Barkley is not a starting quarterback, a future starting quarterback in the NFL. So I think that it's going to be very similar to 2013, the 2010 draft class. I mean, outside of Sam Bradford, who's currently a starter, but Sam Bradford isn't a great quarterback. Uh, Sorry, Ricky. Um, I I think it's going to be similar to that draft class or the 2017 with Jamarcus Russell being a bust. I just think that there shouldn't be a quarterback going in the first uh, first round. And then when you have a guy like Miles Garrett, who is very similar to Von Miller, even has better grades than than Von Miller, and a guy who who is very similar grade-wise to Khalil Mack. Uh, Mack had a better durability grade, but Garrett had a better intangible grade. I mean, it is so hard to pass up a guy like that because you look at Oakland right now, that defense isn't fantastic, but Mm -hmm. you have a guy like Khalil Mack that's getting over 10 sacks this season just because he is that dynamic of of a guy. He can keep you in games. And Von Miller pretty much won the Broncos the Super Bowl the way he played in it. And here's what I'm going to say is I'm glad you brought up the Raiders because they are a perfect the well they're a perfect situation for what the Browns could do this year. As of right now if the season ended today after week 14, the Browns would have the first overall pick but also the ninth overall pick cuz that's where the Eagles sit. And the Eagles could right fall cuz the Eagles have and not the been Eagles playing. could fall so that could be a top that could fall to a top seven, top six, top eight pick, and I believe they're also playing the Giants and the Cowboys again, mm-hmm. so it can definitely fall. Well, divisional games. I think they've got divisional. All they the just played the Redskins. They played the twice. Redskins, so they've got divisional and then one non. The Ravens. The Ravens, which is a tough is. team, so they can but easily go in three. This is a team that, if they wanted to, then this is all if they want to, could do the same thing that the Raiders did when they drafted Khalil Mack and Derek Carr. They can go ahead, get their defensive guy number one, and then, or in the first round, and then go ahead. He was fifth and, overall. Yeah, that's why I said in the first yeah. round because no, he was wasn't just, number one. I was adding that. Um, and then go ahead and get your quarterback. I mean, Derek Carr 
wasn't a first-round quarterback. I mean, you get the ninth pick to where you could say you can go, like, let's say. He was 33 or 34. Because right now they're doing their due diligence on the quarterback situation. Like, they're the quarterbacks out there. They like a Deshaun Kaiser. They like a Deshaun Watson. They like a Mitch Trubisky, and he's still there at nine. They could easily go Garrett at one and then their quarterback at nine. Or they can say, hey, we're going to have a high second-round pick or a high they have two. This pick. Yeah. They have the Titans. Let, let's go here, here well. in the first round, and then take a quarterback in the second round. I, I agree with you. The first pick should be Miles Garrett, without a doubt, it, with, unless unless something crazy happens. If it's not Miles Garrett, then Jonathan Allen out of Alabama. Either way, defensive end. I, I think that— as long as nothing crazy happens leading up to the combine, leading up to the draft mm-hmm. with Miles Garrett, and I'm not saying anything well, but just in case you know if something happens, uh, I think that there's no reason why Miles Garrett shouldn't be the number one overall pick, unless you know unless the Jalen Smith type thing happens where he gets injured in the bowl game. There's no reason he should not be the number one pick. And looking at him, he is deadly. And then you pair him with the linebackers you already have. You need to re-sign J- Jamie Collins, but Jamie Collins as an outside linebacker in coverage. Watching him on the Patriots, he's an athletic freak, and having him being able to drop back, and he's a he's a good run stopper. He he, he can pass uh, rush to the passer if, if you mm-hmm. need to, but you know with the, the way Miles Garrett plays, he's not going to drop back in coverage that much. Uh, you really shouldn't. Uh, and then you also have uh, Christian Kirks, Kirksey, who's a good inside linebacker. You also have Demario Davis, who's a good inside linebacker. You have pieces there in the linebacking core that I really like, and then you just need to go out and and find cornerback help because Joe Hayden isn't getting any younger and he's not that good in, at, at his current age and you need O-line help as well I mean Joe Thomas is obviously that anchor for Cleveland but he's getting older he's bound to break down at some point so you need offensive line help clearly you need cornerback help and you have a lot of picks in this you have two first round picks or, I'm sorry you have two first round picks you have two second round picks you have one third round pick you have two fourth round picks three fifth round picks and a sixth round pick so you have a lot of Picks to bring players in to help the offensive line, the cornerbacking group. You have uh, guys on the defensive line that are already good. That I, I think that mm-hmm. the pieces on the def- the front seven can be in place when you bring in Miles Garrett. And then you look at the quarterback situation. I think you can do kind of what the Redskins did when they drafted RG three. You draft a guy two overall, but then back in the fourth round, you draft some guy named Kirk Cousins, who's currently your starting quarterback. So you can definitely take chances well, on quarterbacks as well because you have so many draft picks. And that's the thing. When they don't have to to me they don't have to draft two quarterbacks if they draft one. Only because they have RG three already. They have Cody Kessler who they drafted last year. What I think they should do, Miles Garrett number one, then at the ninth let's say right now it's the ninth overall pick because that's what it would be today. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at mock drafts on CBS, and of course there are some disagreements of who I think will be where, but a guy that could be there is Cam Robinson, offensive tackle Alabama. If he's there at nine, take him. Take a guy that you can say, okay, we're going to protect our quarterback. We're going to solidify that line while getting the defense going, and a quarterback that I think that not many people are going to say, like, oh, this is a guy that I want them to draft— but they could get him in like the late second or even mm. the third, maybe a Dak Prescott situation where he could be drafted. I'm not saying potential, but Chad Kelly. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing... Or as you like to call him, Cad Chelly. Cad Chelly. Uh, Cad Chelly, I mean, obviously he has the injury problems, which is going to drop his, his his stock significantly. But even, like, he can be the third-string quarterback behind Kessler, no, I behind I'm, I'm just third. saying, he, he, that drops his stock. You don't have to take him in the third yeah, or second round. Yeah, you can even take him in the fourth if he falls. Yeah, I mean, if, if he's around in the fifth, you could take him. But it just the one thing with him is injury problems and temperament, because obviously he's shown that his temper isn't that great. But if you have a guy like Hugh, Hugh Jackson, hopefully you can rein that in. But I, I think that... The Browns, even though they might go 0-16, I think they are currently in a great position to... That's so weird to say. I think they're in a great position to flourish. Because if you draft a guy like Miles Garrett, you have a, a young linebacker and Jamie Collins who you got for a third rounder. You have pieces on the outside like uh, Corey Coleman. You have a deep running back class. And you don't need to draft a running back right now because you have Isaiah Crowell. But mm-hmm. even in the next running back draft class, you have a guy like Geis from... LSU. I mean, he can be a player that you can take if you really want to take this team up a notch. I think the Browns are in a great position to thrive. I think that the Browns, looking at the way that they have built this team and and, and who their current coach is, it's weird to say that the Browns, I think, actually have a plan. And I think that drafting number one, uh, drafting Miles Garrett number one is the smartest thing that you can do without a doubt. Because I look at a player like Jonathan Allen, he's going to be a great player for somebody mm-hmm. else. I look at a player like Reuben Foster, he's going to be a great in, inside linebacker for somebody else. Reuben Foster could be available at nine. He could, could be, be there. And, it, and if that is, then you have a guy who— If you get Garrett and Foster with one and nine— Yeah, and you don't need to play Foster right away. I mean, yeah. you have guys like Kirksey and, and Davis who are, who are good, so when Davis Davis's contract comes up or, or Kirksey's contract comes up, you don't need to resign him because you got Reuben Foster back there. Uh, and, and even something that could be interesting, too, at nine— I've seen in, trade back. I've seen in Matt Miller's mock draft that he has a guy like Jabril Peppers ranked at eleven. So you've seen if if you can get a guy in that secondary who can mm-hmm. who can be that dynamic. I think that it's very interesting what the Browns are doing. So you you obviously need to take Miles Garrett number one. I think that's the thing that we're going to drive home is that Miles Garrett is the number one pick right now unless something crazy happens. Jabril's going to be the interesting one because to me because. I have him top five. But it's going to be one of those things. Is he going of, with the Bears? Do teams? I don't know yet. I haven't finished. I haven't gone through my mock draft. I, he is going to be a top five pick, though. Please. And the thing that <laughs> I think with him is he's kind of that linebacker safety hybrid. The one thing that I've heard, and this was from oh who said it? Somebody said it on the. I think it was it was the Dan Patrick show. It was Newheisel, the former UCLA head coach. Yeah, Rick he's Neuheisel. with yeah. He said on the Dan Patrick show that he thinks that he could be like a Cam Chancellor type of a player in a defense. I was so thinking that kind of like linebacker safety hybrid, but he's going to play more up in the box. I was thinking more Ed Reed, who can. Who, I, I mean, the the kid, the kid, mm-hmm. athletically is plus he ridiculous. can punt and kick return too. It, athletically is absurd. I could mean, play the wildcat. He could, could be, go wide he receiver. Could be, he, it's running back. Yeah, we get it. He's athletically insane. So I think if you can get a guy like, I mean, that's that's so interesting. I mean, it could be a top five pick the way the Eagles come out. So mm-hmm. I think that the Browns are in a fantastic position. And again, it's so weird to say, but I think that the Browns and five years, four years could be a playoff team after going 0-16. And you mentioned running back. I want to ask you this about the Browns running back situation. Yes. Is there a is there a situation in your head? And I'm looking at CBS's prospect rankings right now. Yeah. They have them 22 overall, projected as a first round grade early on. In your mind, is there an is there a chance that maybe Christian McCaffrey falls to the second round and then the Browns go, we don't need a running back. 
But let's take this kid because even if we don't use him as a running back, we can even use him as a wide receiver or a pass catcher out of the backfield. I think, be, I mean, really with any of these guys, it's really just how are, how, how are teams grading them, and we don't really know mm-hmm. how they're being graded currently. I mean, you can really, I mean, this is a deep draft class. I mean, a guy like Nick Chubb out of Georgia, who I really love, is 94 well, the on guy, CBS. The guy right above him, Deontay Foreman. Yeah, I mean, there's there are so many guys here that, I mean, James Conner, too, out of Pittsburgh. I mean, there is a lot of guys out there that can be very interesting uh, players. I mean, I, I brought up the 2013 draft class. Who went second? Who went in the second round of the Steelers? Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I think that when one position suffers, like quarterback, you mm-hmm. can find a lot of guys that are deep. And, and you're saying there's guys above guys like Nick Chubb. You're saying there's guys above uh, guys like uh, like Deontay Foreman. Guys above James Conner. I mean, P. Ryan. It's it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. I don't think they need a running back. They could draft one, but I'm I, just I think saying, that, like if it's like a third, I think in, late second, maybe a fourth rounder. I mean, if McCaffrey falls to the third round, I'm s- then with yeah, him, take be, him. With him, if he falls, it'd be a second round. I don't think you waste a second round pick on him, and I'm not saying waste, but I, I don't think you use a second round pick mm-hmm. on him. I think you go D, you go Miles Garrett, then you either go. It depends on how they grade a quarterback, but I don't think a quarterback should be there. I think you need to go best player available with that nine pick or the Eagles pick. I'll just say the Eagles pick. Um, I think you can go best player available there, and then when you look at you know some, so you look at the second round, then you look O line help both times because offensive linemen aren't players where you know you need to draft them first you know in the first round for them to hit because we've seen consistently that teams have hit in the mm-hmm. second round uh, on linemen. So I think that with the Browns, it should go defense best player available, possibly best player available again, and then O line help, and then. Third and third to the sixth round, then you go cornerback help, defensive help, and stuff like that. I th- but I think the Browns, the way they drafted last year and the way that they brought in more picks, I think it can be a very successful draft for them this year. The last thing I'm going to say, kind of to put a kibosh on my part, is kibosh. I think that second first rounder don't draft a quarterback right now. The way, like, of course, I've got to dive into the film, and I can't wait to start diving into prospect film. And just getting into the draft season this year. But my early kind of thoughts are, like, Deshaun Kaiser, yeah, he's got a big arm. Yeah, he's athletic, but he's not the most accurate of quarterbacks. And he, his decision-making is kind of iffy. Trubisky, he's only had 12 career starts. That's a small sample size. He's not a guy that I think starts day one. He's a project Especially He's, that first year. And then Deshaun Watson. It's like, you, this should have been your year where you solidify yourself as the first overall pick and you regressed. And with me, I think he'd be focused on the media and what others are saying about him. Even though he's a great kid, nice kid, he'd be focused on what people are saying about him rather than what's on the field. One thing, too, with Trubisky that I want to throw out is that he's got ridiculous wide receivers, too. I mean, mm-hmm. people don't bring that up enough. You have a guy like Bug Howard who's like I think he's like six six who can just go up and get the ball. It's it's insane. And then you also have uh, Switzer too, who is just a monster out of the slot who catches I think pretty much like half the balls that 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 Trubisky throws. Obviously that's a joke. He hasn't caught what a hundred and something balls, but he's caught ninety one balls. I mean Switzer is a guy who is consistently looking. I mean he has great weapons there, and that's one thing that with, with two with Trubisky is that, that that kind of holds me back, but. Also with Trubisky, too, is you can't really knock his performances in big games because he's been able to show up in big games where you can't say that for a guy like that I, I have 
I have watched in, in uh, Jake Browning because Jake Browning kind of mm-hmm. shot away in, in big games. But like you look at the main one that you, you want to look at, and, and that's the Florida State game, 31 to 38, 405 yards, three touchdowns, no interception. I mean, that's a ridiculous performance. You ready for me to uh, bring this full circle before we end the podcast? Do it. You know who is also a uh, wide receiver for Trubisky? Austin Prohl. Played for who did we talk about at the beginning of uh, the podcast? Ricky Prohl. Played for the Rams. Won the Super Bowl against two? Titans. Jeff Fisher. Bringing it full circle there. End it. Bringing it full End circle. It. But that is going to do it for the onside <laughs> kick today. I want to thank Sean for stepping in for Mark Weber, talking Thanks some great me. topics with me. This was a long one. If you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, thank you for staying with us in this one. Make sure to check out our Twitters are in the description. Make sure to check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. You like the podcast, you want to help support the channel, help us out there as well. Make sure to like us, like and subscribe on YouTube as well. I want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.